0: Welcome to the Indianola First podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action.
1: It is so good to be here today. You excited to be in church? Hallelujah. And this is our uh, last week in in this series that we call Love in a Word. And, you know, the common Greek language spoken at the time of Jesus, known as Koine Greek, was a much more specific language than the English language. Koine Greek pretty much became a dead language about 300 years after Jesus' death. And modern Greek is still used, and and although it's similar, uh, it's not the same as Koine Greek. Yet God chose this language to be the one that the New Testament is written in. And I got to thinking about that. I was like, that had to be intentional, right? God doesn't do anything just by accident. He doesn't do anything uh, on a whim, I mean, He's a God of intentionality, amen? And um, uh, the descriptiveness of Koine Greek is unbelievable. And it allowed those first who heard the word that was written, the Bible, those first readers of it, it allowed them to know exactly what God wanted them to know. And today, it allows us to know exactly what God wants us to know. And if you think about it, the language becoming dead for the most part, protected the original meanings of those words because no longer did people use them every single day and then they became kind of, you know, how languages morph into words change and, and meanings change. It didn't do that with, with, with this language because I, I believe God wanted, wanted that language to remain intact so we would know exactly what He was saying. I think it's an interesting thing. Uh, and a great example of this, the descriptiveness of Koine Greek language. It is it's use of four major words for our English word love. We've talked about eros in this series, which is romantic love or sensual love. We've talked about phileo, which is affectionate friendship. Uh, it's that, that friendship, best friend kind of love. Storge, which is family love or love that is famil- familial. And, and then we, we're, today we're going to talk about agape, which is unconditional love. God kind of love, perfect love. And and I need to say that all these forms of love are amazing gifts from God. They really are. But but the first three that we talked about, they're very different than the one we're going to talk about today. They're different than agape. Um, Eros, phileo, and storge are loves that we experience as we interact with other humans. Eros, which again is sensual or romantic love, that should be reserved for those inside the marriage covenant, And the marriage covenant is, of course, one man, one woman, between one man and one woman. Can you say amen? Amen. It's the truth. It's scripture. It's the way it is. But even within a godly marriage like that, there is a trap within Eros to become so taken up by the romance and the sensuality of, of the relationship that God becomes second in that. Eros' love was not meant to replace or even be equal to our love with God. But how many know sometimes it's, it's when you love your spouse so much, you can put them on a pedestal? Some of you, some of you are like, I wish my spouse would put me on a pedestal once in a while. <laughs> There's a trap there that can, be fall, that can be fallen into. Phileo, or that affectionate friendship type of love that exists between best friends, that is a wonderful gift from the Lord. But our friendship with another person shouldn't become the vine in which we draw our life from. That should come from our friendship with God. Life flows from him, right? Not from our very good friends. And I, I want you to let that sink in a little bit because we do that. Because our relationships on this earth are so tangible and we can, we can see and we can, we can hug and, and touch and feel and, and, and they're right there. It's easy to let those relationships take the place of God sometimes. These are the traps of those three. Even storge, which is the natural occurring love that occurs between family members and even church family, if it becomes a replacement for the love relationship that we have with Christ, it presents all sorts of issues. A parent who exists only for their children will often neglect their spiritual callings and responsibilities. So there are traps. And all of these types of love, I I gotta say it again, they're wonderful, but the traps that are connected to them are real. When we as human beings fall into worshiping the created rather than the creator, our misguided love becomes the very definition of idolatry. Yeah. It's what happens. And, and yet God gives us these loves to experience um, those emotions and those feelings that we have for one another, and I think it's wonderful. Agape love is different, though. It's a love that's superior to the other three. It's the ultimate type of love. It's a God type of love that is perfect. It's unconditional, sacrificial, and it's eternal. It is simply the highest manifestation of love that exists, and which is probably the reason that the word agape and its derivatives are used over 300 times in the New Testament. Way more than any of the other words way more. It's used in Scripture as a verb and as a noun. I want to look at Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 through 40 and it says this, Jesus replied, we've read this Scripture throughout the series, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself and the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That word love every time used in that verse is agape. So if you're going to read it, it said Jesus replied, "You must unconditionally, sacrificially love your God, the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul and all of your mind." It's the first and greatest commandment. You got to love the Lord your God with everything you got, baby. Yeah. With everything you got. And the second is equally important. Equally important. It says equally important. It says Love, that word is agape, again, unconditionally love, sacrificially love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So agape the Lord your God, agape your neighbor. Both of these are verb form of the word agape. So it's not just having and possessing love for God and our neighbor. Like, I have love for my neighbor. I, I have love right here for my neighbor. That's not what the verb form means. The verb form implies action, love the Lord your God, agape, show it in how you act, show it in the intentional uh, actions, behaviors, whatever that means for you, but you have to actively show, show it, action. Agape the Lord, agape your neighbor. This verse tells us how all the law and the prophets can be fulfilled by showing an action The agape kind of love for God and for people. You you could literally say that you want to sum up the whole gospel, you want to sum up all the law and the prophets, you want to just break it all down to one word, it's agape. Unconditional, sacrificial love. Period. I just made it really easy for you, right? Okay, you're dismissed. Go home. We got it all now, right? (laughs) Already. Here's another example in Scripture of the verb form of agape, Matthew 5, 43 through 48. You have heard that it, is, it was said, love, and that's agape, unconditionally, sacrificially, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, unconditionally and sacrificially, because this word is agape as well, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your people, your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't the pagans even do that? Be perfect therefore. I love this verse. Jesus says, "Be perfect therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect." How many just love that verse when Jesus tells you to be perfect? You need to be perfect. You're like, what? (laughs) How can I do that? God loves us with an agape type of love, a perfect love. And as Christians, we are to love like he does, perfectly. Guess what? That's an unattainable goal, but it's a goal that we all must have. It's something we constantly work at. Loving God with all of our heart, unconditionally, sacrificially, loving our neighbor. And I'm not talking about your next door neighbor who's your neighbor? Everyone. Everyone. It's everyone. I want you to think about that just for a second. Everyone. Is there anybody in your life that you know of that's hard for you to love? Just think about it. Picture them in your head. I'll give you some time. I know it's really hard to come up with somebody. Everybody got somebody? You are to unconditionally love that person. Yeah, well, I pictured somebody who's hurt me very deeply. The gospel ain't easy. He says, love your neighbor. Love your enemies. Unconditionally, sacrificially, love your enemies and for those who persecute you. And he says in verse 45 again, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Why does he say that? Because then he goes right into saying, he causes, as God the Father, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He blesses the evil and the good that way. He sends rain, the blessing of rain on the righteous and the unrighteous as well. Well, how can you do that, God? I'm righteous, they're not. Why are you letting good things happen to them too when, when, when I'm the one who loves you and they don't even love you? They don't even acknowledge you. He loves us with an agape type of love, a perfect love. We're to love like that. Here's an example of uh, agape used as a noun. And you're gonna recognize the scripture. It's found in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with the tongues of mankind and of angels but do not have agape, love in the noun form, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains but do not have unconditional sacrificial love, I am nothing. And if I give away my possessions to charity and if I surrender my body so that, that I may glory but do not have unconditional sacrificial love, it does me no good unconditional sacrificial love is patient that kind of love is kind it's not jealous that kind of love does not brag it's not arrogant it does not act disgracefully it does not seek its own benefit it is not provoked does not keep an account of wrongs wrong uh, of wrongs suffered It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It keeps every confidence. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Unconditional, sacrificial love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For we know in part and prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For, I now, for now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully. Just as I, just as I also have been fully known, but now faith, hope, and love remain, these three, but the greatest of these is agape, unconditional sacrificial love. And I should let you know that even in the noun form, agape, um, the root of the word agape is in the verb form. So even if it's in the noun form, it still implies action. Always. Agape is a superior love. So, Just to define it more this morning, I want to give you three reasons why it's superior to the other types of love, and I've already been talking this way, but number one, it's unconditional. Agape is unconditional. It doesn't exist because it's earned. It doesn't exist or remain because of some standard you're able to live up to. God loves you with the agape kind of love, and there is nothing that you can do about that. You cannot run or be free from his agape love. Well, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. Agape is unconditional. Well, you don't know what I've, I, I, I did to somebody else. You don't know the secret thoughts I think and the things that go through my head, the things I act on, the manipulative stuff I do, how I've set traps and been a tool in the, in the devil's hand to hurt other people. You don't know that, Pastor Barry. Yeah, I know, but God loves you unconditionally. Agape love is unconditional. It's mind-boggling, church, how much he can love us. How many have ever done anything wrong? We've got about five hands up. That's great. Last week it was three, so we're doing really well. We're, We're starting to admit. God loves you. I want to say this again. God loves you with the agape kind of love, and there's nothing you can do about it, no matter what you've done. You can't be free from his agape, because there's no conditions on it. It exists and you are just gonna have to live with the fact that God absolutely loves you unconditionally. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you've run from him, he loves you unconditionally. We just read it in Matthew. I started to get into this and I pulled back a little bit, but it says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise and the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And he lo- Here's the point. He loves those who are evil and those who are good, whether they are righteous or unrighteous. We don't like hearing that, guys. We don't like that. They are loved with an unconditional love that provides for both of us, whether evil or righteous or unrighteous. How many of you are righteous in and of yourself? Therein lies the key. Because the righteousness that we have, any amount of righteousness that we possess, only comes from him anyway. We don't really like the fact that God loves our enemies or those that are unrighteous. And even the scripture says those that are evil. If we're living for Jesus and we're doing the right things, we're going to church, we're paying our tithes, we're doing our devotions every day, holding our tongues when we need to and working so hard to be like Jesus. I mean, we got the bumper sticker, we got the bracelet, we got the t-shirt, right? We're doing it. And then God provides for the unrighteous just like he does for us. He allows them to experience the warmth of the sun and the blessing of the rain, just like he does for us. That isn't fair. That seems very unfair. That's expecting God to love with conditions, though, if you think that's unfair. And he doesn't love with conditions. He loves unconditionally. He doesn't love you more or less because of what you do or don't do for him. Some of you don't believe me. I, I thought about the prodigal son a lot this week thinking about this and how the older son who did nothing wrong got jealous when the younger son came back. It's such a great picture of this because the father in the story, he lavished his love on, his younger, on the younger son, right? And the older was bitter in his heart. Why? I think that's a picture of the church, we sometimes think we're doing everything right. Why are these other people getting so blessed? Why are these other people feeling the blessing of God or the provision of God? Why does good things happen to us? We're good people. Or bad things happen to us, we're good people. And why do good things happen to those that are unrighteous? Because they don't know Jesus. Anybody ever thought about that? It's because God's love is unconditional. People understand that they are only righteous through Christ, understand that the love they receive from God is not based on performance. It's not based off of condi- or on conditions that we have met. He loves us unconditionally. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. you got to get this, church. He didn't wait for you to clean yourself up. He didn't wait for you to get good enough. Jesus Christ bore your sins on the cross before you even have the choice to reject or receive him. His love for you has nothing to do with your behavior. Nothing to do with your behavior. Receiving his gift as your payment for sin is the way you make your reservation in heaven. We know that, but it doesn't necessarily make you more loved by God than the individual who rejects Christ. His grace is just that amazing. And and he loves those that persecute him and those who reject him. He continues to love them with the hope that it will draw them into that personal relationship that so many of us in this room have had with him and do have with him. Do you remember what he said on the cross? Father God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Agape love does not depend on the actions or behavior of of another person. It is a love that continues to give and forgive no matter what. And this is impossible without God. It's only through his strength and power that we can love others like we are loved by him. Uh, You know, in this day of uh, social media and instant communication, um, it often seems like rumors and lies travel really quick. Have you noticed that? You may have been the victim of others lying about you or spreading false narratives about something you did or didn't do. Agape love in those situations, and this, this is tough. This is heavy. You want to you talk about the meat of the word? This is meat because this is really hard to live out. Agape love doesn't retaliate. It's the kind of love we're supposed to have. He said, be perfect even as the Father is perfect. That's what Jesus said in our loving others. It doesn't retaliate. It just loves unconditionally. That doesn't mean that you just need to take everything lying down and live like a doormat. I'm not saying about that, that everybody walks on, right? That's not it. But it does mean that you don't retaliate with the same hate that fueled the ones who lied or gossiped about you in the first place. You don't do that. You don't retaliate. If the keyboard warriors get out there and just try to bury you, not my name. B U R Y, right? B U R Y. Yeah, bury you. They try to do that. Don't retaliate. It's not a. Fu- it's not a fight. You love with unconditional love. You can speak truth without retaliating. That's hard, church. That's hard. Are you with me this morning, or do you think that's easy? I think that's hard. That's tough stuff. When your family treats you like garbage, don't retaliate. When a church member or person that's supposed to be in your church family treats you poorly, don't retaliate with the same spirit. Agape love, it's unconditional. It doesn't depend on how someone behaves or doesn't behave. It's just unconditional. Jesus loves us that way. And if you remember, most of us not too long ago didn't know Jesus and we lived like heathen. We were sinners without any salvation. And God loved us enough to pluck us right out of hell itself. He loved us that way. So what makes us too good to love others in the same way? You see, you've got to remove yourself from that and see things through the eyes of Jesus. Agape love. That's the only way to do it is see it through his eyes. Agape love. Matthew 5, 38 through 41 says this. You have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's what we like to do, right? I've heard people quote this, well, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Yeah, they're, they're only half quoting it. Jesus said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, in other words, don't do it that way, do it this way. He says, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you in the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. I'm telling you, that's hard. When you start living that out, that's really, really difficult. And again, you, it doesn't mean you have to be a doormat, but, you, but always respond, don't react. Maybe that's a good way of saying it. Always communicate with love, don't jump on the bandwagon of hate, and, and respond with, with, like, with a like spirit or, or, or like kind. We, we've talked about loving our spouse and loving our family and friends with storge and phileo types of love. And, and there's a natural love that we feel toward family and even an affectionate love that we can experience with our best friends. But I've had family and friends that have known church families, that, that people in the church family, that, that uh, I've needed the power of God to help me love with agape type of love. I've needed God to help me. I mean, have you had any of those situations? No, it's always been perfect. Everyone's wonderful. (laughs) I've even said this before to my own shame, but I'll I'll, I'll tell you what I said. I've said before, ministry would be so easy, full-time pastoral ministry would be so easy if it wasn't for people. (laughs) Right? Isn't that how it all is, though, for all of us? I mean, family reunions would be fun if there was no family there. (laughs) Some of you are like how dare you talk about my family that way I I didn't say anything about your family So agape love is unconditional number 2 it's sacrificial and I said that over and over in the beginning agape love is sacrificial this love is best resemb- represented by Jesus dying on the cross for you and for me it liter- he literally sacrificed himself for our sake and we need to remember that he became he became sin itself He became the object Of God's wrath. And he was perfect. He did no wrong. He was sinless. Yet he became sin. He took all of our sin and let it rest upon him till he became sin. Teenagers, do you ever lip off to your parents? Do you ever disobey? Parents, you ever do anything wrong? Never. Never. Spouses? (laughs) Everything that we've ever done, said, or thought that could be sin, that goes against the character nature of God or the Word of God, all of that sin was placed on him. It's hard to fathom what he felt like when that happened. And when God turned away from him, God the Father turned away from him, he sacrificially became the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world by sacrificially dying to become the offering for our sin, the sin offering, to atone for, to make up for, to pay for our sin. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, lay down our lives for one another. And when we love with that agape kind of love, we will find ourselves giving up personal gain, even our own comfort for the sake of others. There's just this selflessness in agape love, and it's that selflessness that makes it so powerful. We live in a world where everybody is about me, 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 me. I need me time. And yeah, you do need some me time. Sure, I get that. But it's like all about me so much, all about working on me so much, all about all that, that we can become unbalanced in that. I'm not saying you can't have some me time. I'm not saying you shouldn't work on yourself. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is if you become so focused on you, how is that agape love to others? I mean, yeah, you got to get healed up. you got to get strong. you got to work on yourself a little bit. But you know what? The real joy in life is loving other people with agape love, with an unconditional sacrificial love. And if it means giving up some of your, uh, your, your comforts, it's worth it. If it means giving up some of your personal gain, it's worth it. When was the last time you sacrificed for the sake of living out agape love? Have you sacrificed Family time. I mean, I don't like sacrificing family time. We don't have enough of it anyway. Well, if we don't, then our priorities are wrong and we got to look at our priorities, right? How about have you, have you sacrificed for your close friends? Have you sacrificed for your family? Like, maybe not go to work so much. What, what, how about your enemies? Have you sacrificed for them? Perfect love is impossible without God, but we can walk in agape with this, with this help. You know, um, We love God with agape when we sacrificially worship him with our time, talents, and tithes. And I I know how difficult that can be sometimes, but we also love others with that agape kind of love when we sacrificially give to them. Neighbors and family members, church family members, and even strangers that need you to sacrifice for them, maybe to drive them to a doctor's appointment. Some of you do those kinds of things. Maybe to just take the time to call or write or just encourage to think about somebody else. Maybe you know of someone who is in financial struggle and you just happen to be in a position to give them a, a Pentecostal handshake. Do you know what a Pentecostal handshake is? Some of you do. You put like a, a $100 bill in your hand and you, you shake their hand and then just leave it there. You know. Sometimes that's what you're called to do and that's sacrificially giving in love to someone else. Or maybe it's just dropping... Dropping a financial gift off to somebody who you know needs it and then not telling them who it is. That's sacrificial even even to the next level, I think. And one of the greatest things about my job is I, I get to see a lot of that happen, at least in the church. You know, there, there's a, I'll give you an example of this. There's, there's been a lot of people who have worked and helped with getting, the, like, the Fireside Bistro off and running and um get it started and get it off the ground. But you guys don't know the person who handed me $20,000 and said, make the bistro happen. And it wasn't some millionaire who did that. It was a sacrificial gift given with that kind of agape love that said, you know what? A place to meet and fellowship is more important than me having this 20 grand right now. That's sacrificial giving. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen the love or the, even the agape that's been produced from the agape in that room, it's amazing. Agape love is sacrificial, it trades the me first mentality for the other centered way of life. Doesn't mean you can't think about you sometimes because we all need to do that, that's healthy. But to live there is not healthy. People who possess this God kind of love are always ready to sacrificially give to them, give of themselves to help others. And remember, agape is sacrificial. While being unconditional, it's sacrificial. So even the sacrificial part of agape doesn't sacrifice because of a performance. Like, I'll give you, I'll sacrifice for you because you're this, because you do this, because you behave this way. Agape is always unconditional. It just gives unconditionally and it gives sacrificially. And thirdly, it's eternal. Agape love is eternal. Agape love transcends time. It's a love that never fails and never gives up. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. His love for us never fails and it never gives up, and we work towards that in our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. His agape for us resulted in him giving us his son, that's, of course, sacrificial, but whoever believes has eternal life to look forward to. So God's agape love for us has eternal ramifications. And when we love others with that kind of love, those loving acts will have eternal ramifications as well. I like what 1 Corinthians 3 through says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. So what what am I saying by by giving you that verse? I'm saying that, that when you do things for others, when you show your love with your agape love for others, and it's truly coming from a heart full of agape that's unconditional, sacrificial, those acts will last forever. They'll be tried by fire and they won't burn up. All other works, the good deeds that are done out of wanting recognition or some self-serving ego trip, those will be tried by fire and they're going to burn up and they're going to be worthless. They won't be remembered 10,000 years from now in heaven. But all that will, will, will be tried by fire and It will remain if it was truly agape love, unconditional sacrificial love. It'll last for eternity. So yeah, agape love is sacrificial or it's uh, unconditional, sacrificial, and it's eternal And in conclusion, I I, want to talk about how we can grow in this superior kind of love. How do we increase our agape? And um, I got three ways to do it. I'm going to go over these really quickly. But first of all, saturate yourself in his love. Saturate yourself in his love. Remind yourself of it. Read about it. Hey, listen to the stories on our Connect podcast. They're amazing. They're stories of how God's love rescued people, grabbed people, touched people. It's their stories. Listen to those kinds of stories over and over and over and over. Hear how God reaching down with his love and saved others. It'll, it'll, it'll help you to keep thinking about his love for you. Saturate yourself in his love. And if you are completely convinced that God loves you with that uncon, unconditional, sacrificial, and, and eternal love, if you're not completely convinced of that, you're not gonna be able to other, love others like God loves them or like God loves you. You can't agape others while living in doubt about God's love for you. So get that straight first. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. Now turn to the same neighbor and say, there's nothing you can do about that. You're stuck. You are stuck with the knowledge that God loves you with an unconditional, sacrificial, eternal love. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. The more you soak in the love of God, the more you'll desire to give that same love towards others. I don't think we can ever get to the end of fully understanding how much he loves us. Why do you think it's so important to spend time in his word? Why do you think it's so important to spend time in prayer? It's so important to spend time just worshiping him every day, turning on the worship music, shutting off all the other noise and just worshiping for all, just soaking it in his presence, soaking in his love because you'll realize real quick that, like, man, I can't believe how much he loves me. Me, and I'm not very lovable. I mean, nobody really likes me, but God loves me. You know that old song, nobody loves me, everybody hates me. I'm going to eat some worms. It's not true, because God loves you with an unconditional love. There's nothing you can do about it. So saturate yourself in that until you're convinced. I mean, sometimes you got to tell yourself stuff until you actually believe it saturate yourself in his love. Number two, if you want to grow in your agape love, ask God to help you, for goodness sakes. Ask him to help you. Ask him to help you love others. Loving others is hard. It's impossible at times. So God, help me love this person. I want to smack them, but help me love them. (laughs) Be honest with God. I don't care if I never talk to that person ever, ever again, but help me love them. Help me not get a root of bitterness, a seed of bitterness that would grow in any way at all. I want to love with agape love unconditionally, sacrificially. I want to love that person with agape love. God, help me do it. Galatians 5, through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is agape. Unconditional sacrificial love. That's the word used there. Agape. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Paul tells us that agape is part of the fruit of the Spirit. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to love others in the way that God has loved us. So, I mean, ask him, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Heck, baptize me with your Holy Spirit. So you say, what's the difference? Well, you're full of the Spirit when you get saved. I mean, you get, you get the Spirit in your life, and He fills you. But you know what? When you, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it, it's like the Spirit has you. You're saturated in Him. Ask God to help you. Ask Him to fill you up so that you can live out the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you want to grow in your agape, then you need to consistently ask God to give you supernatural strength to love—not just one time, probably every single day. I, 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 I want to—I want to challenge you this. I talk about you know driving to work all the time. Maybe that's because we're a, we're kind of a bedroom community. A lot of you drive to Des Moines, but when that guy cuts you off and you want to say things and do things, and and I've always um, been really honest about my driving and what I want to say and do with my car, and and even sometimes have those thoughts of hand gestures. Um, you know what I'm talking about. And as my my uh, my heart is like, like, and my words become a little short and angry in the car, my wife's like, you don't know if that person just came from the hospital and lost a loved one and they're driving slow, or you don't know. I mean, she's only got some reason. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm angry. I don't need a guilt trip too, right? <laughs> so... But maybe in those moments, we just say, we just say, God, help me love that person. Maybe we take some time as we're driving to pray for that person. I don't know what they're going through. They're driving crazy for some reason. So God, just help them today. Send a ministering labor to them some way, somehow, some form. Have, have them turn on the radio and let the gospel be being preached on that channel. Or do whatever it takes. I pray for that person today rather than, what, what are you doing? You know, all that stuff that comes out of our mouth. Get out of my way, you know. Number three, you have to act. Saturate yourself in his love. Ask God for help. And three, you just have to act. You have to do it. you got to practice it. Agape love is always a verb. It's expressed with action. We can't wait until we feel like loving. Well, I'm not feeling it right now. You know, love, have you noticed in the series, it's not a feeling. We just need to keep practicing it until it becomes second nature. Love is something that is developed, it's worked at. We should wake up in the morning looking for ways to show agape to our families. How can I show my family I love them unconditionally today? How can I show them that I sacrificially love them? How do I do that for my friends, my neighbors, and even my enemies? Be creative with it. Make it your goal to become an oasis of agape to the people you come in contact with every single day. I am going to be the oasis of agape. <laughs> Somebody's like, I don't believe you, Pastor Barry. <laughs> I'm going to try. Are you going to try? Yes. I'm going I'm I'm to saturate myself in his love. I'm going to ask him for help. And I'm going to practice it to the best of my abilities till I become that oasis of love. You're like, I don't know if I need to do that. <laughs> be perfect, Jesus says. Show yourselves as one of his children. That's the scripture we just read a little while ago. Raise your right hand. I will try try to become become an oasis oasis of agape agape to the best of my abilities. abilities. So help me God. God. Amen. Amen. That can be a fun adventure every single day. Yeah. <laughs> right? So let's make that commitment to strive for agape. And yes, there, there's a joy and a level of fulfillment in the other types of love. I, I, I know they're gifts. They're not bad. But this is superior. Nothing compares to walking in true agape. And you, you'll find that when, when all those other loves are combined with agape, wow, life can be good when you see things for as they are and you understand things for what they are and agape love is just flowing. I want to ask the worship team to come back up because we have 10 minutes and I don't like to waste any time. And none of your roasts are burning yet, right? You don't have to beat the Baptist to the buffet or the Methodist to McDonald's or the Presbyterians to Panera Bread or we don't have a Panera Bread. We have an olive garden now, though, Southside. How many like that? Yeah, that's good. None of them are going to beat us. I want us, just as the end of this series, as we come to the end of this series, and it, I, I got to tell you, this love thing, it, it is the hardest part about these messages for me is where to stop. Because you could preach a year on every one of these and not get to the end of it. I I hope it sparked your interest a little bit and you'll dive into the Word and you'll dive into some studies. Um, There's a great book uh, by C.S. Lewis, if you're a C.S. Lewis fan, called The Four Loves. Wonderful book. It'll take you way deeper than this did. And um, I just think love is one of those things we have to explore and we've gotta study and we've gotta know and understand to the best of our ability. But as we come, like I said, to the end of the series, I just wanted to open up the altars uh, for a time of just loving on God and letting him love on you and I love that song we sang today of, um, pour my love on you can we do that one pour my love on you and um, let's just as a congregation maybe step out of your your uh, your chairs come down front maybe if you got to stay where you're at that's fine I understand that but let's just have a time of just soaking up the love of God can we do that as we love on him As he loves on us, maybe love, you know, just just hug a few people on the way out and and, um, let's do that this morning as a congregation. You love us. Sacrificially, you love us. You gave your only son for us. And God, how can we respond any differently than to love you back and to love those that you love with the same kind of love? God, we ask that you give us that ability that we would not be so intrinsic and so self-centered that we can only see through our own eyes. But God, we want to see through your eyes. We want to see people through your eyes, Lord Jesus. Even those that do wrong to us, help us, God. Help us to walk in that love. Help us to walk in it, God. ourselves to you today, Lord. right now for the person who feels like they can't be loved, Lord, that, that you would show them how much you love them, that you would reveal it to them, God. That you go to the ends of the earth for them, no matter what they've done, no matter where what they've gotten into or what they've uh, sin they've committed. God, you love them with an everlasting love. And God, you love those that love you too. That have given their hearts and their, their lives to you, Jesus. You continue to love them with that same unconditional, sacrificial love. God, help that love never feel like it's grown old or cold in our hearts. Let it be like the first day we experienced it every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.